0: Uh, I want to say you feel free to share this video. One of the things that we have to adjust to right now is, and everyone is in isolation. Everyone's in their different places in life. Uh, And one of the main ways that we can reach our friends and our families is through social media. And so we have to be intentional as we always wanna be. We wanna have our ultimate goal to glorify God, to enjoy Him. But also as Christians, our job is to make disciples, that is to share the gospel and to train up in the gospel those who have come to faith. And so I would ask you to consider sharing this video so that maybe this is a way for you to, to reach your friends and your family, <laughs> and so that more people can know that we are broadcasting and, and starting our, um, our little uh, sermon here on Palm Sunday. If you have any prayer requests, I would ask you to post them on the chat. Uh, And Elliot, if you're watching this, could you please gather them up and and send them as a one message at the end of this sermon? That would be awesome. That way I can read them up and we can pray for them together. We're gonna do things a little differently today. We're gonna jump into the sermon right away. And then afterwards, we're gonna be praying for one another. Um, Right now, what? I just want to go over a few different announcements that we need to give. And the first one is to give. Um, I think we, we may forget this as we don't meet together. If you're in a place in life where your job is stable, you have a stable income, um, then I would please uh, implore you to give. The information can be posted on the screen. I had the bank info. And there is the the bank account, uh, the Kenetella of the church to give online. Uh, The reason why I I wanna make this sure is because uh, even though a lot of things have changed, mostly our financial responsibilities have not, so please do not forget that. Now, I wanna pray following the sermon, and, and one of the things that I've noticed as we are pleading with God for mercy, for grace, for this virus to cease, uh, one of the things that I'm also adding to that prayer, I don't want to minimize those prayers, but I think we can often forget that in our pleading for mercy and grace and for this virus to cease, which is good, uh, we can forget something that's also important. And that not only that God would be merciful and allow us to avoid this virus, but also that this would cause us to turn to him in repentance. Uh, Us as individuals, we may be in different situations where different types of sin are being exposed in our life, and we come to him in repentance asking him to change us, to mold us, to transform us, but also for not only our nations, but nations around this world, uh, for them to turn to Christ in repentance. And so I want to be praying for that after the sermon. Uh, One big announcement that I have has to do with uh logan stepping down as an elder i want to just take a brief moment to say thank you to my brother um thank you to my brother who is uh well he needs prayer right now for unrelated things he stepped down because he wanted to focus on the on the church that he's about to plant here hopefully in a few months who knows every everything is thrown up in the air with this coronavirus thing Um, but I just want to say thank you, brother, for all that you've done. Uh, I know I echo the, the reality of, of much of our church that has experienced your, uh, your love and your care for them, and I just want to say thank you for your service, and thank you for uh, serving our church in such an awesome way, and God be with you as you go forward, and we're praying for you, and we're praying for Carla. Um, the last announcement before going into the sermon has to do with a members meeting, we were kind of waiting for to see you know, if the gathering ban would be lifted uh, the 12th of April. We were hoping to get things back to normal, but it seems like at least throughout this month, with the possibility of being extended beyond after this month, uh, we're gonna have a members meeting on April 25th at 1.30 p.m. Uh, we're gonna have a Zoom meeting, uh, we're gonna post it on the, the chat, and we're gonna have some big things we're gonna be voting on. So I would love for you to join us there. And then also next Sunday, uh, this is actually the last announcement. Last, next Sunday, we're going to have a membership class. So if you've been attending our church and you want to know more about us, you know, want to know what we believe, this is the perfect venue to ask questions. If you want to become a member of this church and we make a distinction between those who attend our churches and those who are members of our churches, then you will learn about what we believe, where we're headed, what it means to be a member. It is a commitment where you open up your life to the other members of this church, but it's also a commitment where they open up their lives to you, and we want to run over what we are as a church, what we believe in, and so on and so forth. So if you're interested in that, uh, then message message. Loves the one on Facebook right now. Say, I want to be a part of the members meeting so I can know to get you the Zoom link. Um, but yeah, that's next Sunday at 1.30 p.m. <clears throat> now, before we go into the sermon, I just want to pray for us. Our Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that in a world full of bad news, man, we can be comforted by the good news of Christ. I, I thank you so much that we can find our hope in you. And my hope and my prayer is that as we go into your word, it is going to be a topic that's not generally applicable to the specific circumstances that we find ourselves in. But I know for a fact um, that even though it may not be very specifically applied to our circumstances, the reality is if we study your word, as we gaze upon your glory and your majesty and your mercy, it's always gonna be applicable to every area of life that we walk through. Because as we realize your grandeur, as we realize how amazing you are, as we realize your mercy and grace, as we realize your sacrifice on our behalf, your love, God, we can can look at our other problems in this world and they can shrink in comparison to our greatest need, that we need a Savior to cleanse us of our sins, to give us hope when we stand before a holy and perfect God. And you have met that need of ours. You have given us eternal life and eternal hope. And I pray God, that we might stand firm in that, as we study Your Word, as we look with awe at Jesus Christ and what He has done, God, may we stand firm. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, one of the things I did want to say before we started out is I want to I want to uh, celebrate our sister Evelyn, whose birthday it is today, and so I want you all to text her to send her your regards. To, Man, I'm thankful that this gift of a person was born to us on this day, many years ago. And I pray, Evelyn, that you have an awesome day today. Um, so, um, everyone out there, my name is Gunnar Gunnason. Uh If this is your first sermon that you see from us, I want to welcome you. Of course, I want to welcome the members and attendees as well. I want to say that I really miss you guys. Uh, I miss singing with you. Uh, as I see this sort of empty space here and I see the videos that I posted on Love Stone a long, long time ago of, of videos of us singing. I, just, I am so looking for the day when I get to sing with you here at, at our gathering place. Um, I, I, I think it's weird looking at our camera when I preach. I, I miss seeing your eyes. I miss seeing your eyes rolling in the back of your head when you hear some of my stupid humor slip out. But now, we're inter- entering a season that is probably the biggest season for Christians in and around the globe, and that is the Easter season. This gathering ban will be in effect and extend at least to the end of April, so it's a sad thing to not be able to come together and worship God to- together for conquering uh, death, for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, um, But we make do with what we have. And today is the week before Easter, which means it's Palm Sunday. We're celebrating a specific moment in the life of Jesus. This is a week before his death when he comes into Jerusalem and he's riding on a donkey and the whole city goes into uproar about his arrival. So I want us to jump into the verses that we're gonna dwell on today, or at least use as a springboard. That's gonna be John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The world has gone after him. So today, I want us to be looking at Uh, we're talking about this triumphant humility of Jesus Christ. Those two words are two words that we don't often associate with one another. But if you're familiar with scripture, if you read about the kingdom of God, it has the tendency to be sort of upside down from everything that we see in the world. The first would be last, the last would be first. Uh, If you want to be, if you want to have glory in the kingdom, become a servant and so on and so forth. Um, Now, we t- tend to connect words like triumphant with words like maybe ruthless or vicious or brutal. Uh, meaning that if we think about a triumphant king, for example, we think about someone who is completely ruthless, vicious, and brutal. Um, but if, we want to be, if you want to be a conquering king, that's what you need right, in this worldly realm. Um, but here we have a king that is completely different. He rides in with humility, but yet is triumphant through very different means than what we're used to seeing. First thing I'd like to talk about is the praise of the people. All right, notice that as Jesus comes into the city, the whole city is in uproar for a very good reason that we'll go into here in a little bit. They grab palm branches and go to meet this man riding into a city on a donkey. This right here might seem a little bit odd to us because we may think of ways to celebrate someone's arrival very about grabbing branches and waving them around, uh, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. What we have to do when we read Scripture is to remember that it's not written to an Icelander in the 21st century. We have to put our ancient first century jewish hat on and try to understand okay what is the meaning of all of this why is the whole city in an uproar why is it such a big deal that this man is riding into the city on a donkey why are they waving branches around um, and is, is there any significance to that uh, but in an ancient jewish mind the palm branch had a specific meaning to it this wasn't just a random act or even just a way to show someone respect Um, In the first book of Maccabees, now if you don't know Maccabees, so when you look at at our Bibles, we in the Protestant world have 66 books of the Bible. Uh, The Catholic Bibles have added a few books to the Old Testament, Um, but Malachi, in a typical Bible, will be the last book of the Bible. Then you flip the page, and you'll get over to the Gospel of Matthew, and that one page flip, 400 years pass. Where there's just complete silence there's no new prophet no new revelation during that period that's called the maccabean period that's when the maccabees lived and uh, the first book of maccabees is sort of a historical account of the ancient jews uh, fighting off the greeks specifically this one person antiochus epiphanes uh, fighting against him trying to conquer this city but what we, see, uh, what we see there in the Maccabean period, also if you know the Jewish festival of Hanukkah, that's actually celebrating the victory of the Maccabees over Antiochus Epiphanes and getting their city back. Um, what we see here in, in the Maccabean period is that when they won, The palm branch was used as a symbol of patriotism and it had sort of political and social and revolutionary implications. The palm branch was used to celebrate the victory over the Greeks, uh, the Jewish victory. So here we have Jesus, a couple hundred years removed from the Maccabees. He's riding into a city on a donkey. The whole city goes into uproar, basically saying with their actions, This is the revolutionary that is going to bring us freedom. This is the revolutionary who's going to conquer our enemy. This is the the revolutionary that's going to set us free, just as we were freed at the time of the Maccabees from the Greeks. Now we will be freed from the Romans. But little did they know that, yes, he was there to give people freedom, just not the type of freedom that they had in mind. And he was there to conquer an enemy, but in this case, it wasn't the Romans. It was death and Satan himself that he was there to conquer. He was there to set people free, but not from political forces, but rather to die in our place so that we might be freed from sin. If you're a non-Christian, that is why we sing about the cross. That is why we sing about Jesus' death, because in there we have freedom. Because what The Bible tells us that we're all sinful, that we're all going to fail the standard of God. If we meet God at the day of judgment and we come and say to him, yeah, okay, I did some bad things, but look at all the good things I've done. Well, he's going to look at himself and he's going to compare us to him to see if we can spend eternity with him forever. The problem with that is that he is perfect and I'm not. He is holy and I'm not. He is altogether righteous, and I am not. So even if I've done some good things, it's not going to get me out of this trouble I'm in that I need a savior, I need someone to come and save me from my sins. Now, um, that is why we celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ. That is why we need uh, more than a political revolutionary, we need more than an improved political system. So Jesus, he's riding into the city on a donkey, and this is what they're saying. We have to remember that sometimes Jesus shows up in ways in our lives that we could not imagine, or in ways that don't meet our own hopes or expectations, right? Sometimes We pray and we pray for healing and we have hope and expectations that God's answer will be yes, here is your healing. But the reality is sometimes he doesn't answer yes. Sometimes you have a scenario like in 2 Corinthians 12 where the apostle Paul is crying out to God to take, he calls it this thorn in his flesh, I think there are plenty of evidence that show this is probably some kind of physical ailment, maybe with his sight or maybe with his motor functions. He has gone through a lot. He's been whipped three times. He's been stoned to death but just refused to die. Um, So he's crying out to God for him to remove this thorn in his flesh, and God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Imagine that being the apostle Paul where you've seen God do all these crazy miracles around you, you know it's not your power. You've seen him and you've heard him raise people from the dead. You've seen the lame walk, the blind see. You've seen the amazing power of God on display, right in front of your eyes. And now you have this thorn in the flesh. You come to the same God of the universe and say, please take this away from me. And you hope it and you expect it, yet his response is... My grace is sufficient for you. But just like this scenario, the crowds may be yearning for freedom, for the enemy to be conquered, and for the victory to be had, and the response is yes. God says yes, I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to conquer the enemy. I'm going to give you victory. But it's going to look very different from what you have in your mind. I'm going to give you a greater kind of freedom, a greater kind of enemy that I'm going to conquer. I'm going to give you a greater kind of victory. I'm going to give you eternal freedom and eternal victory. And I'm going to defeat Satan and death itself. Similar to 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul talks about the outer body decaying, yet our inner body, our spirit is renewed day by day. He talks about us being jars of clay, carrying in us a treasure of the gospel, that yes, our bodies may be weak, but within us is this immeasurable worth that we carry the good news of Jesus. We face this crisis right now, this virus. Many of us were praying that this, this would cease. We're looking at the numbers of deceased people, and they're staggering. I mean, I think it's really difficult for us to imagine what it looks like for 6,000 people to be dead in one 24-hour period. I think it's really difficult for us to imagine all of the suffering going on around those deaths with the families of those people knowing that they died in lone and isolation because they had this virus. We're seeing a lot of suffering around us. And many of us were praying for this to stop, for the loss of life to stop. And rightly so, we are hoping and we are yearning uh, for suffering to end. We lay it at the feet of Jesus, praying and then trusting that whatever he does, he's going to glorify himself. And it's going to be for our good. Somehow, some way, even when we don't see it. Check out what the people say when they see Jesus. They say, Hosanna. I find it very interesting for Bible translations and how they choose not to translate some words. I don't know why they just put a word like Hosanna in there. Like obviously, most of us are thinking this is not in the English language. Why wouldn't you translated the rest of the Bible? Why wouldn't you translate this? <clears throat> but they say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. They're quoting a prophetic psalm about the Messiah. This is Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. The word Hosanna means save now. Save now. Save us now. Now they're proclaiming in there that Jesus is their king and their savior, but it was short-lived. Just a week later, some of the same people in the same crowd are gathered not to yell out, Hosanna, save us, but rather to yell out, crucify him. This is how many people respond to Jesus when he doesn't meet their own expectations for him. Many are gladly and willingly willing to say something like, yeah, Jesus is my king. They just don't behave like it. Or they will confess him to be an authority over them as long as he agrees with them. They will confess to follow Jesus as long as he's going the same way. But as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are many different ways to misery. There are many different ways to hell. There are many different ways to eternal damnation. But if we want eternal life, if we want eternal hope, there's one way. He's not saying, I am a way for eternal life. I am a way for hope. He's saying, I am the way. I am the only way. Now this crowd will in the end reveal that they feared man above God himself. In this case, the man was the Roman authorities. They feared the Roman authorities. They feared politics above God himself. They feared the temporal over the eternal. And maybe they made the same mistake as Adam and Eve did in the garden, thinking that, you know, yes, God may have a plan for us and for me, but I think mine is better. I think right now, yes, eternal life is all good and all jolly, but, man, we need to first take care of the most important stuff. That's the Romans. this crowd would reveal in just one week that they were more concerned about politics in the temporary rather than God's mercy in the eternal. And the reality is, I think for most of the population living on this earth, the day-to-day lives of a lot of individuals reveal that we may be strikingly similar to this crowd. The worries that we have Things we give our time to, our focus and energy to, and our money to, may reveal that we are not very different from the crowd that celebrated Jesus at his entry, and then a week later would be yelling out, crucify him. And that's one of my prayers through this virus, is that we would not be as mesmerized with the fleeting circumstances, with that everything that glitters and looks nice because I think we can so easily confuse being entertained with satisfaction. And we need to realize that no matter how much we are entertained, no matter how much new stuff that we get, no matter how much uh, our energy is drained so that we don't really have to think about the big questions of life, our souls are screaming out for what they were created for with communion with God. My prayer in this pandemic is that everything that we put our faith in, maybe we put our faith in and our hope and our trust in this sense of security that we have and now we see that's threatened so very easily. Maybe we put our faith in politics and the government and we see, yes, they are doing their best to try to serve the people, but man, their capacity is limited. When an unseen enemy like the coronavirus appears, Or maybe we put our faith in the social networks we have. The safety nets that will catch us when we fall, like the hospital system or the social services. And they're good, but at the same time, we see this unseen enemy, this coronavirus, and we see it's all threatened. And like glass, it shatters with the smallest stone that's thrown at it. My prayer for every single person watching this video right now is that we would be enamored with God himself, that we would be in awe, looking and seeing who God is through his word and the word that he's revealed to us, looking and seeing, even in Jesus' life, here is the king. And not just another earthly king, not just with another you know political force or military force behind him, but the eternal king of the universe, the creator and sustainer of life itself. And he comes. And he could so easily just say, I demand your allegiance, and if not, I will cease to uphold your life. You will die right now. He deserved all the glory, all the honor, and yet when he comes into the city of Jerusalem, he comes riding on a donkey, knowing full well what's ahead, knowing that the crowds of the people that he's looking at right now, they're going to turn on him in just seven days, and he's going to suffer for them, he's going to die for them. he's going to conquer death and rise again for them. and he didn't need to do any of it. man I hope I hope that this you know as as we get more free time than we usually get as we're locked into our apartments, man, may we not just veg out on Netflix, may we not just veg out on some entertainment on YouTube or you know whatever we do. May we be in awe and wonder of who God is and what He's done. May we give us time to spend time with Him in prayer, to lay our burdens before Him, the God of the universe who hears our voices. May we not seek you know, His hands to only, what, to, to only see what He can give us, but rather let's seek His face and let's know Him. Let's be in awe and wonder, wonder over who he is and what he has done. That's my prayer for every single person watching today that we would be different from this crowd of people, that we would fear God above everything and everyone else. Because the reality is that he is greater than everything and every, everyone else. There's no one besides him. You know, the, the systems that we put our faith in, they have their limits There are, you know, it's easy for them to get strained beyond their limits. They have limited ability to answer our cries for help. But here's the God of the universe who is true to his word. And that's what I want to go into next in verse 15. John is actually quoting from a verse from the Old Testament found in the book of Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Now the Old Testament if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's all before the birth of Jesus Christ. Those are books written uh, hundreds of years before Jesus even walks this earth. Uh, and we want to jump into a, a prophecy about the Messiah, which is the the, the the Hebrew way of saying the Christ, which is the Greek way of saying the anointed one. Um, so, Zechariah nine, 9 says, and this is the second to last book in the Old Testament if you're searching your Bibles. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That's Israel. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. One of the things that I read is, firstly, this, this describes why the city was in uproar. When they saw the man that had done all these miracles, done all these great things, when they had heard the stories and talked to witnesses that saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, and now he was coming into this week of celebration in Jerusalem, riding a donkey, the whole city goes in uproar because they're thinking about this verse. Here is the promised king. Here's the one that says, you know, he, he brings, he's righteous and having salvation is he. He's going to free us from the Romans. This is our Savior right here. This is the promised Messiah in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Obviously, they didn't have the chapter and verses then, but you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> one of the comforts to me is that you, you have this You know, there's so many prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And it's amazing to see how they point to Jesus Christ. For instance, if you think about, I've said this a lot of times, but you may be new with us. If you think about the details that we have about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Most of the details about a crucifixion written about in the Bible are not written about Jesus Christ when he was alive on this earth. It was prophecy hundreds of years before he was born and even sometimes hundreds of years before crucifixion was invented. And we have descriptive detail about the Savior, the suffering servant, coming to die for us. And it's all before he was ever born. So when I see this verse and I see yet another prophecy about Jesus the Messiah coming into a city humbly on a colt, on a donkey. um, Man, I am comforted to know that hundreds of years before Jesus rode into that city, hundreds of years before any of the people that were there yelling out, Hosanna, save us now, Jesus knew god knew what was going to happen man what what a comfort this is to know in our affliction in our distress when we are caught off guard when no human uh, human or or human institution is prepared for a surprise god knows what is happening he knows what's coming he knows what has happened God knows our needs, he knows our wants, he knows our desires, and even though it might catch us by surprise, nothing catches God by surprise. And his promise, like his promise in Romans 8.28, for instance, it is a coffee mug verse, you know, for all things work together for the good of those who are called by his name and loved by him. You know, it's a popular verse, (laughs) but it's popular because it is a great promise. It is a great promise because that promise stands no matter how surprised we are or confused about what's going on around us. No matter what goes on around us, God is not caught off by surprise. And no matter how situations change or people let us down or when they say the wrong things or do the wrong things, his promise still stands true that even in the midst of our darkest hour and we don't understand how God is fully going to use this circumstance to... To make it turn out for our good, his promise still stands. And we may have questions, but I would encourage you to, to read First Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, it's, a, it's a famous passage it's about love, but there in the end, he, he talks about eternity. You know, and he talks about things like, then I will fully know as I am fully known our questions will be answered. Our tears would be wiped away by the nail-pierced hands that died for us on that cross. Now, this is the reason why the city was in uproar. They had seen the miracles of Jesus. They were seeing that he was unique. He wasn't just another revolutionary or another patriot. He was doing miracles that no one could do Even no matter how much energy, how much they tried, no one could do these miracles. He was raising people from death. And not only sort of in a magician magician way, he was rotting away in his grave. Jesus called him to come out and he did. And there were witnesses. Witnesses. And they were going around telling people, this is what Jesus did. He was healing the sick and crowds were starting to follow him. And then he rides into the city on a donkey. And the people think about Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This is our guy. This is our patriotic figure. This is the, the political leader that we need. This is the revolutionary. He is our king. He is our savior. But what a different king that Jesus is. especially when you compare him to the context that he's in he's in the Roman context Romans were really good at creating hype when the kings entered the city he didn't arrive like other kings or Caesars did back in this day there's no procession with him of people praising him before or after he came into the city. It wasn't a show going on to create hype. There's no parade. There's no blowing of trumpets. There's no march of the slaves through the last, you know, caught in the last war effort going through the city, you know, to create an uproar in the city. There was no marching of the bounty won by war and stolen and plundered from, from other cities. Just one guy, Riding a donkey and humility. And the whole city knows what this means. Here is the promised king. Except that he wasn't he was very different from what they expected. It wasn't just the donkey that made him different. It wasn't just the humility, but even the type of kingdom that he brought and the type of victory that he brought and led here's a king who would triumph, but not with brutality or ruthlessness or viciousness, but with humility. He didn't need to stir up hype. He was the real deal. But know what this entrance to the city meant for Jesus. He had talked to his disciples before this has taken place and he's telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going not only to die, but to be crucified, one of the most Horrible ways to die. He's told his disciples this again and again before going into the city. I'm going there to die. He's riding into the city on a donkey knowing full well what's about to happen. But he's also been to- telling them I'm going to rise up three days later. I'm going to conquer the grave. He knew the crowds that now cheered for him would soon call for his death. Yet he rides into the city knowing full well what's coming. And he's humble. And so here we see that humility is not tied to our place in life. It's not tied to our worth or our title. Jesus, here, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the creator and sustainer of the universe itself, rides into the city to his death, to his mocking in humility. God is perfect. God in flesh. He's holy. He's righteous. He's worthy of all honor and all praise, but he writes into the city to his death in humility. Humility is not just for those who are of a lower class. It's not just for those who are weak. It's not just, it's for everyone. Humility does not speak to what kind of title or status you have in life. Humility is not just revealed, you know, it's not just reserved for lower classes. Humility is for royalty, for kings and queens, and also for the maintenance worker. For the CEOs and the plumbers, for the wealthy and the poor, humility is for all of us. As someone said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, But humility is thinking of yourself less. To put your love for others in front of your own needs and wants and desires, that is humility, and that is exactly what Christ is doing right here. He's not thinking less of himself. He knows who he is. He's still God, the creator and sustainer of the universe in flesh. He's fully righteous, but he's thinking of himself less and thinking of those whom he is going to save. And that's the truth here for Jesus. He is the anointed king and Messiah, but he's not arriving into the city thinking of himself, but rather of the people he will save by his death and suffering and humiliation. We live in an age where in certain areas of life, humility is seen as a weakness, but here is God in flesh who has all power, in humility, as Zechariah proclaims. Man, what an example we have to follow. No matter how educated we are, no matter how much we feel like we lack education, no matter how much wealth we've accumulated, no matter how much authority has been granted to us and entrusted to us, No matter how much respect from people we have as followers of Jesus, we seek to imitate and follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ, who, even though he was worthy of all honor and all glory, rode humbly into the city to serve others. But also, like Jesus, we're putting the eternal above the temporal. He knew he was writing to his death, but he did it anyways because he knew that by his death he would give us life. He knew that with his suffering he would heal others. And while being nailed to the cross, he knew that he was dying for sinners who had no hope outside of him. He was paying our debt. He was washing our sins. The righteous for the sinner to make the sinner righteous. That is the good news that we celebrate. I noticed just this week, there's the man. I don't even know the actor's name, Jim from uh, The Office. uh, Whatever that his his name is in real life, he created the Good News Show, and it went a little bit viral on the internet. Where he, you know, he was looking at the news, and it was all dire, it was all negative. (laughs) So he wanted to create a new show that focused only on good news and it was quite funny because you know he had his kids make the signs and the logo for it and it was cute and and he's also a funny guy and i enjoyed watching that but at the same time we got to remember that there is much better news that we celebrate than just the temporal and as much as i celebrate the things that he was celebrating there the lady con- you know going home finally after months of cancer treatment and so on and so forth man i I keep thinking, man, we got better news than this. Because the reality is that we've got bad news as well. We've got bad news because one day, however many years we get here on earth, you know, sometimes we feel like it's cut short for people and they have 30 years, sometimes we get 80, 100. But the reality is that one day, every single one of us we we'll stand before a holy God of the universe and our eternal fate is in the balance. And if we spent our entire life worrying about where I'm going to be five years from now, how I'm going to progress, where, which title I want to bear, wh- how much money I want to make, wh- what kind of house I want to buy, what kind of car I want to drive, if we spend all of our energy and time and focus on just the next step of this physical life of ours, we're going to stand before the king of the universe realizing... That man, life goes on forever and my eternal destiny is at stake here. And when we stand before God, when we realize that he's not comparing me to the average good person on earth, he's not comparing me to someone horrible like Hitler or Stalin or Paul Potts. He is comparing me, my goodness, my righteousness to himself. That is bad news for us all unless there is a solution to this problem, which is Jesus Christ. Because God is righteous. He can't just look away from our sin. So what does Jesus come doing? He pays the debt that I owe so that one day I stand before God and I can point to Jesus Christ saying, I'm a sinner. I have failed so many times. But by the grace of God, I'm also a saint by the work of Jesus Christ, not my own. He died for me. He's my hope. It doesn't matter if you control a company of 10,000 employees or if you work in a kindergarten overseeing five children. We are called to cling to Christ for hope. And also as we read this passage and we see his humility, his self-sacrifice, his love, we got to remember that's our savior and that's our example to follow. And we give ourselves to the eternal. The promises of God persist and are unchanged even when everything else changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever as Hebrews 13 tells us. The question that's left for us is this. Will we be as short-sighted as the crowd that cheered for Jesus on that day? Will we respond in the same manner when Jesus doesn't come and arrive and answer our prayers in in the... in the hopes that we had, in the expectations that we had for him? Will we, perhaps, yearning for a savior, not see the reality of what we truly need freedom from or realize who our true enemy is? Because he wasn't there to give them temporary political freedom, but eternal freedom. And as we face this new threat of this invisible enemy, this virus, we have many people praying for deliverance. And of course, I can understand that and I join those people in those prayers. I, I want the suffering to stop. I want the loss to stop. I want to see people healed from this disease. I want to see it stop spreading around the world. But the reality is also we need to be praying for more than just mercy with regards to this virus. We need to get to rid us of our sins. We need not only for death to be delayed, we need death to be conquered. And it was conquered on that cross. And I think we need to add to our prayers not only healing for the sick in the body or the virus to seize, but also for hardened hearts or distracted minds to finally turn themselves to Jesus Christ and fall at his feet and realize, man, what a sweet, sweet life that is. We really haven't lived until we've lived in Christ. Because if we don't, we might face the real threat of a prolonged bodily life, yet a spirit that is dead and a soul that is damned. That yeah, we may have prolonged bodily lives, but man, if we stand before God and we realize eternity is at stake and I never thought about it, we need to pray for revival. For people in our country, for our friends and our family to be revived, to be given life. And only true life is found in Jesus Christ. And the only way that we do that is through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our King. That we not only confess with our lips like the crowd did, that yes, He is our King, but we also believe it in our hearts like Romans 10:9 through 10 tells us. And not only are we willing to confess that He's our King, we're win- willing to live in light of it. Live with Him leading us. We need to turn to the cross of Jesus where he was humiliated, where he was beaten, where he was mocked for us, dying a sinner's death so that we, the sinner, might live righteously, might live covered in the righteousness of Christ. So that's where I want to end the sermon I hope as you go into this week and as you think of all the things that we can do, as we think of all the extra time that we have, man, I pray that you would use it with an eternal mindset. That you would bask in the glory of God and realize who He is. That you read good books. That you spend time, you know, maybe watching good materials, documentaries, so on and so forth to learn more about other people and their lives and how they served God and also be thinking how... How can I serve him with the platform that I have? Because honestly, it's not just the people with a microphone that have a platform. We all have a platform. And it may vary in size. Maybe your family is looking at you. Maybe your friends are looking at you. Maybe society as a whole is looking at you. But we need to use our platform well. So <clears throat> let us pray. God, I pray as, you go, as we go into this week, May we glorify you, may we know you more, may we love you more, may we, may we seek your face and not just seek what you can give. May we join, God, our brothers and sisters in praying around this globe for this virus to stop, but also, God, I pray for a revival to happen through this as people might see that what they gave their focus to, uh, their time to, their energy to, um, it may be so fragile, and they may be looking for something greater, something more. May they turn to Christ, and may the church do its job in pointing to Christ. God, equip us for the ministry that you have for each and every one of us. God, I pray for the marriages of the people watching this right now. God, as, as uh, I pray that. We we would love one another in such a way that we would display the story of Jesus Christ and his love for the church. I pray for the men to sacrificially lead their families, and I pray for the women uh, that you would be with them as well. God, I pray for the children of our church as their world has been turned upside down with some schools closing down and, and, um, and being more at home. God, I pray that We as parents might use these opportunities to point them to you, to spend time with them, to love on them, to disciple them. Um, And God, help us as we go into this week have an eternal mindset. As we go into this week where we know we, we celebrate Easter, where your son Jesus Christ died on our behalf, God, I pray, may we be fixated on that. May we celebrate this good news, this ultimate good news. In Jesus' name we pray. So <clears throat> I want us to be praying this week. <clears throat> and I, I'm going I'm to take here a little bit of time. Um, if someone could send on the video just um, just comments about the prayer request that we know that we have in our church uh, that maybe other people have been sending out throughout the broadcast. If someone could summarize some of the the prayer requests that we have. If you have a prayer request, please add them to the chat right now so that I can read them for everyone. But I want us to take a few moments and just uh, pray. join our brothers and sisters around this world to pray for specific things. So I'm going to mention something. I would love for you to join me in prayer. I'm just going to be silent for about... 30 seconds to a minute as we pray in our houses over these issues. Um, And the first thing I want us to be praying for is for the physical healing of the sick. Uh, Those who are coming down not only with this virus, but um, our, our healthcare system, if this keeps going this way, it might very well overflow and be overstrained. So let's keep praying for the sick, and let's take a few seconds just to pray. God, I just... I want us to see, God, I want to pray for the sick, but also not only just the the bodily sick, but those who are suffering from a soul that's crying out for more. God, I pray that you would be with people who are suffering right now, that you would heal them, but also that you would heal their longing for you and something more. God, I pray that you put faithful brothers and sisters around this globe at opportunities and places where they can point to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I also want us to be praying for the doctors and the nurses. I think we have hundreds of nurses in isolation right now. Um, We also have doctors and nurses who have offered to come out of retirement to help the healthcare system. I am so thankful for these workers, for their sacrifice, for their willingness to work. Um, even as we get some bad news, like in Iceland, I think last month, there was this one post on Facebook from a nurse who actually got 40,000 kronars less in pay than the previous month because they haven't been able to negotiate pay with the government. And it just broke my heart. They're working way more, and yet their pay is limited. And it seems that many people undervalue them. So let's pray for the nurses and the doctors, the hospital staff, the the janitors, um, those who lead the hospital, and also for the people in authority of our country. Let's take a few seconds to to just pray for that. Before we go into specific prayer requests, I want us to take a few seconds just to pray for revival in this country, for people who may be experiencing their own mortality right now um, who really don't have any hope in other things than temporary to be taken up in such a way and for the church to step up in such a way that we would faithfully point to Christ. And so let's pray for that for a few seconds as we go to the other prayer requests. All right. Um, I'm going to read just a few prayer requests that we have. so that we can pray for right now, but also so that we can keep praying for all these things throughout the week. Hildur, pray for my treatment as the medication is having crazy effects on my mood and just pray that I fix my eyes on Christ with everything being so upside down right now. Sorry, I turned off the mic. Um, (laughs) Um... So we're praying for Hiltur. We're gonna pray for her treatment as the medication is having crazy effects on my mood and just pray that I fix my eyes on him with everything being so upside down right now. We're gonna be praying for Hilter and the side effects of this. Um, but also, we're going to be praying for her healing. We're going to be praying for Exteris, which is the university ministry of Lostivan, for the college students who are isolated from family and friends. Pray that they would feel the love of Christ through his people. And I would say, especially, um, especially, especially the foreign students that are, are coming in. And also, I want to pray for Logan and Carla. They say, please pray for Logan and I as we continue to trust God and give him thanks in all circumstances, finding contentment in Christ. Um, so I, wanna, I want us to be praying for that. I don't want to, yeah, Logan and Carla are going through a uh, difficult season. I don't want to share something that I may not be, you know, I don't feel comfortable sharing if I haven't gotten explicit. Um, and okay to share it but I want us to be praying for Logan and Carla this week um, but let's pray together God help your church be this church help, help your church be the church help us be your hands and your feet help us display the love and humility of Christ help us love you more and know you more help us look more like you God, give us opportunities to share the gospel with people where, in a world of social isolation where there is not many opportunities to meet with people in general. God, I pray for the people of this country who may be, be experiencing isolate, extreme isolation right now. God, I pray for those who live alone and don't have families to, to get their attention and, and keep them occupied for, for them. Man, may they have a brother, a sister in Christ who's around them, calling them to check on them. God, may we be ready to uh, sacrifice some time that we could be spending in entertainment and just picking up our phone to call people and show that we love them and express that we love them and are praying for them. God, I pray for my sister Hilter. I pray that you would be her comfort in this. God, it doesn't matter if we're on the mountaintops of life or the valleys of life. We will worship you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, even though there are changes that are introduced. God, that turn our world upside down. Help us worship you in every circumstance. Be with Hilter as he experienced the side effects of this medication uh, that physically stops dopamine and may physically stop what, what gives pleasure and joy to the brain, but man may see feel pleasure and joy in you. May see feel the joy of having her spirit find her grounding in you. So God be with her as she goes on, be with Logan and Carla as they worship you through tears. Um, God, I, I ask also that you be with the university students who don't know you, who may not have opened you, who may be here in a foreign country, uh, stuck by themselves without contact with their family and find themselves alone in their room, God, may we see your people step up and extend your love to them. And God, as we go into this week, may we realize that our worship is every day, all day. God, may we pray without ceasing. May we take moments in between difficulties and in between celebrations to just turn to you. And God, May you use us as tools in your hands for your purposes and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would ask you to keep praying about these issues. Keep praying for healing of sick people, for revival of those who may be facing their own mortality right now, for the church to step up, for the nurses and the doctors at the hospital putting uh, their lives on the line to, to help, um, for essential employees who are taking a lot of risks, like even grocery store workers. Uh, Keep praying for those in authority, uh, the parliament to make the right decisions, but also I I would ask that you keep praying for Logan and Carla Hiltur and the university ministry as we go into this week. Man, may God use you, bless you and keep you and, uh, and be your strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.